Welcome to Nano Sessions, a NanoLumens podcast where we chat with the experts on all things visualization. Welcome to Nano Sessions by NanoLumens. I'm your host, Sean Heath. Now buckle up because it's about to get meta up in here just from the jump. Within the last two or three years, podcast technology has accelerated to the point where you can record, edit, and post a podcast directly from your smartphone. You don't have to have microphones. You don't have to have a studio. It can all be done from within an app. That is a pretty accelerated timeline for such a big technological leap. It seems that there is a parallel in that timeline, and that is the speed with which direct view LED is coming to market and being deployed. Well, today my guest on the podcast just happens to be a bit of a time traveler. He understands the speed at which technology moves through our space. Conveniently, he's also the director of sales at Nanolumens. It's Dana Michaelis. Dana, how are you today? Doing great, Sean. Thanks for having me. Couldn't you tell me what is it either technologically or creatively, that is pushing this rapid acceleration and the evolution of direct view LED? Sure. So if you think back to maybe 10 years ago, there really wasn't much direct view LED in indoor applications. And what was there was not a great solution because it was a... Um, a sourcing of LED technology that was really uh, created for outdoor environments. Uh, the, the pixel spacing, which then relates to how crisp the image is from a closer viewing distance, was a pretty coarse pixel spacing. And because outdoor displays uh, are typically thick and bulky and heavy and make noise because they have fans to dissipate heat. It just wasn't a very elegant solution. So over the years, what has been occurring is that pixel spacing has been getting tighter and tighter. So the resolution has been going up and meanwhile, the pricing has been coming down. There is a tremendous demand for direct view LED in the marketplace today. And, you know, you start to see it in, in many, many, many more applications. Can, can we take just a brief journey? Can you walk me through a hypothetical project from concept to completion? Sure. You know, there are different ways that, um, that different projects um, emanate, um, whether it be from just a direct user uh, who decides that they, they want LED uh, and they work through an AV integrator and they they purchase a a solution or uh, in many other occasions it's specified by an architect or an AV consultant. But, um, you know, the way uh, these things come about is there is typically a content strategy to, um, you know, to show content in, in, a, in a new application, in a uh, upgraded, you know, better video solution, and then DirectView LED uh, is considered as the more you know, leading edge a- approach to visualization. 
Are you starting to see demand for more unique one-off results? Yeah. You know, so many brands invest incredibly in their uh, brand equity and in the content that is used to support and reinforce that equity. And whenever there is an opportunity to make that presentation in a unique, uh, you know, highly distinctive wow factor type of approach, uh, many companies are, are interested in that. And sometimes based on the configuration of their particular physical space, the best design, the best solution is uh, is bespoke and unique to that particular set of circumstances. So I guess to use the term that you mentioned, it, it would be uh, kind of a one-off in that regard. Now, we're going to talk about a couple of projects that you worked on that are somewhat iconic. Is it possible to go into a project with the goal of creating something iconic, or does it have to happen organically during the process? No, it uh, is definitely a, uh, a key criteria, a key objective uh, in many circumstances. And you mentioned uh, JFK, that was one. Uh, the end user who operates the Terminal 4 um, the T4 terminal, I guess you'd say, uh, wanted to make a statement. They wanted something that was uh, the only one in the world, and that's what they got. Can you give me any behind-the-scenes peaks with regard to that project? Yeah, certainly. There was an interest on the part of the um, Terminal 4 IAT, who operates the space, to have a high-impact, unique, large-format presentation solution that showed flight information data, time, weather. And they also were looking for ways to, pardon me, be able to um, generate revenue from the sale of advertising. So the space that was targeted is directly opposite the door from customs. And when travelers clear customs, they file through the doors and the first thing they see is the solution that we created, which is a double-sided curved display that's 30 feet wide by 10 feet high. And the first thing the passengers see is a big welcome to New York piece of content along with a scroll of, of advertising. And then while the uh, people in the terminal have been waiting, they see the convex side of this display that shows the time, weather, and flight information data. So there's nothing else quite like this anywhere in the world. And it checked that box for them. It's the type of display that generates so much of a wow factor that people stop and take photographs of it. Airports really seem to be a very prime testing ground for these new technologies. I know for years, McCarran International Airport in Las Vegas, with all of their large screens and, and bright lights in the actual terminal, was considered sort of, uh, I don't want to say gaudy, but it was uh, active as a visual 
scenario. Do you find that other airports are starting to lean in the direction of wanting to create more of a visual experience in their terminals? The thing that uh, that you know most people wouldn't stop to think about is that whenever an airport redevelopment project is planned and then funded, um, one of the, the key motivating factors on the part of the authorities that operate the space is their competitive set. And what has happened in other cities around the country, if not around the world, and the bar gets continually raised. It's all about the passenger experience. And visualization is a key component of that. So it's just a sort of very symbiotic relationship between these airports that are investing significantly in upgrading their space and the technology of direct view LED being able to complement that. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned symbiosis because that JFK terminal is, as you mentioned, it's iconic. It's not new. It wasn't built last week. It has a personality already. And I would imagine one of the challenges that you face when you go into, I mean, I think we could call that terminal historically significant. When you go into a, a an environment like that, you obviously have the primary goal of being as seamless an integration as possible. And standing out seems to be a bit counterintuitive to what you're really trying. It's almost like you want to be surprisingly subtle or subtly surprising. I don't know exactly how that would go. Is that a challenge that you faced on that project? For that first implementation, the objective wasn't to blend in or, or, or really you know, complement the existing architecture as much as it was to create a statement. And uh, again, to use the term, to deliver a wow factor and you know, make that space not only more uh, practical from a, a user standpoint, but more memorable uh, from an experiential standpoint. Um, so that's in the arrivals hall, and the display, you know, doesn't necessarily uh, conform to the the architecture of that space. But uh, not far away from the arrivals hall is the retail concourse, where they have just uh, installed another nanolumens display, and it's. Uh, it's a big concave curve that seamlessly conforms to the space so that it appears like video wallpaper. There are no seams, there are no bezels, and it's exactly what they were looking for. But in this particular case, the display is very much in harmony with the existing architecture as opposed to just, you know, putting a 16 by 9 rectangle large TV uh, in the space. I know several years ago, Chicago O'Hare had one of the first installations in the country of an interactive touchscreen that was in a large format. I want to say it was 10 by 15, 10 by 20. And it seems as if that was a neat, uh, ooh, look at this shiny object. But I haven't noticed recently that interactivity has been the primary factor or the driving factor in the signage that goes into airports. It seems like infotainment, information uh, presented in a timely fashion is much more efficient. Is that what you've noticed? 
Um, yeah, very much so, because an important consideration for airports is traffic flow of the travelers that are you know, walking through the space. And if you're interacting with a display by touching it, you're not moving. You're standing still and potentially creating a bottleneck. Um, a project that we worked on in the UK at Stansted's London Airport uh, was actually motivated in large part because of this issue that I just mentioned. Uh, the flight information data was at eye level uh, on TVs, and it wasn't very easy to read. And while it wasn't a touch interactivity situation, groups of people would form in front of these TVs and other travelers in the area had difficulty getting by them. So the solution was to have a large format direct view LED display that uh, also conformed to a curve in the wall. And as a result of a detailed study, we identified what the appropriate size font needed to be so that as travelers in that particular space were work, walking by, they could easily see the information and digest it without having to stop. Now, if anybody wanted to trace the professional timeline of Dana Michaelis, they could go to YouTube and look up the early days of the Weather Channel. I happen to know that you worked there for about 20 years. You have seen this evolution and the ever-increasing size and clarity of the format. But that's not the question I want to ask you about. I want to ask you, is there a situation in which you would ever willingly become a meteorologist? <laughs> uh, I'd have to go through a time warp and go back to school because even though I was at the Weather Channel for a long period of time, it was not on camera. It was not um, in the weather department behind the scenes. It was in sales and marketing. <laughs> so... Uh, that's not really, um, my forte at, at all. It's funny because my answer to that question would be, I'm already wrong several times a day, just in my day-to-day -day life. I don't need to add an additional opportunity to be wrong consistently to my plate. Yes, that's true. But the Weather Channel's early positioning was, well, it's 24 hours, so we can correct ourselves faster than other media outlets. I do want to dig into this a little bit because you have literally watched the growth of this whole concept of large format data presentation graphics this this is not new to you so I'm curious tell me a duct tape and chicken wire story from one of the early days in your career that you are especially proud of well um, the first product that nanolumens brought to market was the the nanoflex and it was a um, hundred and if I remember correctly, a 110-inch diagonal screen that was about an inch and a half thick and would flex both convex and concave. And it was, it was very cool, got us a lot of uh, interest and, and traction. Uh, it weighed a little over 100 pounds, and we used to put that thing in the back of trucks and drive it all over the place. And uh, I certainly spent my fair share on the road um, demonstrating it. I remember we had it in, uh, in Las Vegas one time and had to carry it up a flight of stairs for a customer presentation. 
and um, one of the people carrying it with me lost their their grip on it and the thing almost tumbled down the stairs but we figured out a way to to get it done and the rest is history but um, the early days we did everything we could to put it in front of everyone so they could see what what the difference was everything to make a sale right yeah do your friends always try to get you to host watching parties for like super bowl or game of thrones finale are you the go-to guy um, yeah, actually not me personally, but, uh, we've, we've had those kinds of functions at nanolumens on very large screens and it's, it's a lot of fun both for that as well as playing video games. Well, I'm really excited. I'm sure my invitation to come and hang out with you guys probably got lost in the email or telegram or whatever technology you guys use. Uh, you might be using neural implants. I don't know. You guys are so advanced. Uh, today, it has been an absolute pleasure to have a conversation with the director of sales at Nanolumens, Dana Michaelis. Dana, thank you so much for taking the time today. This was really cool, and I absolutely look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you so much, Sean. I enjoyed it as well.